Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever Six Minute Mile podcast. We could not think of a more appropriate kickoff than a conversation with a runner who just set a US ATF record for running, you guessed it, a six minute mile. Before Lynn Rathjen, no American had ever run a sub six mile at the age of 75. But Lynn just became the Roger Bannister of the AARP crowd by clocking at 5.59 this summer at the Lincoln Mile. Of course, we get the full story on how Lynn's able to do something that most men half his age can only dream of doing. He's a native Cornhusker who lives, runs, and coaches cross-country in Grand Island, Nebraska. So naturally, our podcast begins with a conversation about Nebraska football and about Scott Frost, the head coach in Nebraska and a former standout track athlete himself. As an interesting side note, Scott's mom, Carol, was a 1968 Olympic discus thrower who went on to coach Scott's high school football team. And Scott, during his high school years, was a patient of Lynn's at Lynn's physical therapy practice. From there, our conversation with Lynn goes some unexpected places. Yeah, we figured we'd learn some things about longevity and building speed, but we did not think we'd hear about spending his earliest years in the trailer with parents who entered the workforce as laborers after ninth grade and were both heavy smokers. Lynn attended the University of Nebraska on an academic scholarship that many cut short a promising track career after high school. But he never lost interest in running, despite some long breaks to raise a family and launch a successful career in physical therapy. We hope you find Lynn's story as fascinating as we did. Enjoy, and we'll see you out there. Well, that's great. Well, so I'm David. Uh, you chatted with Brad before, and uh, no, we can't thank you enough for joining us. This is uh, no, it's it's this is our our first podcast ever uh, in the history of Six Minute Mile, and we couldn't think of a more appropriate guest than someone who had just run a five fifty nine mile. So, <laughs> oh, good. You're, you're you're making history in two ways. You broke the record, and and you're our very first podcast guest. So we're thr- we're thrilled to have you. Okay, we're good, and. Um, so we were, it's funny, just as you were dialing in, uh, Brad's in Iowa, I'm in Boston, and we were uh, one, of the, one of the very few celebrities in the world I, uh, I've ever, ever spent time with is Scott Frost, who's uh, your Nebraska football coach. So I was, Brad and I were just chatting that it looks like, uh, I think Nebraska's trying to go rogue from the Big Ten and schedule some games anyway. I don't know if you're a, a big Nebraska football fan, but. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and they... Uh, they certainly wanted to have football games. I think there were three presidents uh, of the Big Ten colleges that said they wanted to have one to play, and Nebraska was one of them. So they're still – but they're not going to go rogue or do anything other than see if they can get, still get a Big Ten season going. So, And it's kind of interesting because uh, Scott Frost just lived down the road uh, 15 miles away from here, so – I was his physical therapist, so I took care ah. of Scott back in high school. Well, so he's got an interesting twist that I'm sure you know, that uh, that his mom was one of his high school football coaches. Exactly, yeah. She called the plays. I think she was up in the booth, and she's a very, very smart lady. And, of course, both the boys were really smart. I think one scored like 31 on the ACT, and the other one scored 33. So. Uh, Bright kids, they got a lot of that from their mom because she was really a smart lady and a, a great athlete on her own. I mean, she competed. I think she won the Pan American Games uh, 
uh, in the discus or something like that. I can't remember for sure. Yeah, I think that's right. Very interesting. So, um, family. Yeah. Oh, good for you. So that was that's really interesting that you you worked on him in your physical therapy practice. Right. Right. <laughs> Does that translate into free fifty yard line seats for you? No, I I, I haven't talked to Scott since he uh, you know left for. Stanford and then wound up back at Nebraska and uh, I really haven't ever talked to him. I'm going to have to catch up with him one of these days and see if he remembers me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure he does. Well, that's, that's one of our questions. Have you, uh, have you gone big time now that you've, uh, now that you've set the age group record for 75 to 79 year old men uh, breaking six minutes for the first time ever in that age category. So uh, have you gone big time? Are you no longer returning calls from friends and family and uh, wearing dark sunglasses <laughs> indoors? No, you know, I, I've been pretty low-key as far as the whole uh, record thing goes. And it was actually my son that looked at some of the records when I was 74, and he said, you know, you could you could probably get some of these records. And I said, oh, I don't think so. And I started looking at them, and I thought, well, you know, potentially I could. So he said, well, why don't you run in the 70 to 74 age group in the USA track and field championships in Iowa and that was last year and so I said okay I'll go down and do that so I did and uh and I wound up second to Gary Patton in the 1500 meters and I ran 525 so at 525 and the 1500 meters I was sure I could run under six minutes in a mile so then I started thinking well I'll do some races then as I get into uh when I turn 75 in January so uh, then that's that's what kind of geared me up to get ready to run some races when I was 75, but then everything kept getting canceled. Right. I mean, I, I really wanted to run the indoor meet because the records there were really uh, pretty soft for that age group, so I had signed up for that, and they that was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that got canceled uh, two days before the meet. So... We were scheduled to go fly. My son and I were going to go fly down there and, and do this meet, and uh, that got canceled. So, so then the meet had been canceled. That's great. So, what was um, what was his sales pitch to you? He said, "Hey, Dad, you you could you could get some of these records, um, but but what? Uh, how did how did he finally convince you to go try this in Iowa?" Well, he he just he's a pretty intense individual, and he he loves running. I mean, he he's run a lot and. Uh, so he just, he looks up all this stuff. And so he was just pretty convinced we should go do this and it'd be a father son thing to go do. So we went down there and ran in that. Did he run uh, in his age group? He didn't actually run in his age group. He, he, he ran some that day, but, uh, he didn't actually run in the, in the meet itself. He, bait and switch. He told you he was going to go do it. And then he, and then he just had you do it. <laughs> But then he's he's run uh, some of the other races here that we've that have come up. So at any rate, I've got a lot of people in the family that run. That's great. And did you? Um, so it sounds as if you had not done much racing leading up to that 2019 USATF race. No, I, I actually just run some of the local races. I probably run one or two races a year just to keep motivated to keep running. And uh, so I I, I actually. I think when I turned 70, I thought, well, I'll probably give up the racing. I don't need to be doing that anymore. And then, you know, picked it up 
uh, probably when I was uh, 73 or 74 there then, and, and then uh, decided I'd go back and do some racing. So, so you're you're probably doing some 5Ks or 10Ks or shorter distances, and but your time yeah. was probably okay. Yeah, I was doing. Uh, I'd do probably one 5K a year, and then and then I might do the the uh, Nebraska has a Cornhusker State Games, and it's pretty low keyed uh, type event, but there's a lot of people that participate in a lot of different sports. So I'd go down and do that, uh, but I missed that about three years in a row there, and then got back uh, there then last year, and then did it again this year. And that's one that I, I was assuming was going to be canceled. So I was off again, on again, whether I even needed to run some intervals and get ready for that. But then they, they had it. So I wound up running that. And, and so, but the, the record breaking um, event was in Lincoln, right? The Lincoln Mile. Right. And, and you know, one of the, uh, when it comes to the records, you have to be at a meet where they, they're all set up to handle the record type thing. And and like the Cornhusker State Games, I called them and I said, I think I would be under the record for the 3,000 meters if I, you know, if we run that. And they said, well, we don't really have the timers. We don't have the volunteers this year. We, we don't really keep records, so don't plan on that. So I, and then they canceled the 3,000 meters. So then I had to switch and run the 15 and the 8 and the 400 and uh, uh i actually didn't uh hit the times anyway i didn't wasn't under the records for the the three events uh but i was close but it was a really hot day it was 93 degrees and 70 and 72 on the dew point and so at any rate uh, but i did run that then and then uh, started gearing up for the Lincoln Mile. The Lincoln Mile is run by the Lincoln Track Club and the local sporting store there, and they do everything right. They have real sophisticated timing systems, and they they were aware that I had run five, just under 5.59 the year before, and uh, the, the actual record is 6.07. Uh, uh, for that age group, although somebody has a pending record for that that's lower, but at any rate, they assumed that I would probably get the record because it was 617. So they were all set up, and, and I, I wasn't aware of that till the day of, and they said I had to be down there and make sure I was on the, the, the starting line, and and I, I asked well, afterwards why that was so important, and they said, well, they, they do the, the little tag timing where when you cross the the starting line, your timer goes off, but I had to be there so that it matched the gun time right. as with that. So, uh, but they had certified course, they had it certified by the US, USA track and field and uh, they just do everything right. So when we got done, they had five timers on me. So everything was taken care of and they had uh, uh, the, the winner of the heat was because we had 50 and over in our heat in the winter was uh, somebody in a younger age group. And so they had to have all his timing things as well, but they had everything there. So apparently that's the way it's gotta be to have a record. Now, I, did, I did run before the Lincoln mile two days before that I ran in the Nebraska seniors game. Again, there are just not very many meets around. So I was entering anything that was kind of close and, uh, 
that was another day where the dew point was 70 degrees and there was a big wind coming at us, 12 mile an hour wind coming down the home stretch. So I was not really uh, hitting the, uh, the time. I mean, I was three seconds, I think, over the, the record for the 1500 meters. So then it was nice to have this Lincoln mile where uh, they had the mile run, which uh, is kind of a fun deal to go after a record in the mile run. So it sounds like the, the 1500 meters you did two days before, that didn't drain your legs. Maybe, Apparently maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a, a reasonable speed workout to get ready for the mile two days later. So uh, That's great. And so what happened when you... So for your heat, they had the clock going, so it was just the time for your heat. So you could tell coming down the home stretch uh, what your time was going to be. So could you see that ticking down coming down the home stretch? Yes, I could. That was kind of a motivator to keep pushing because there was a pretty big gap between the person ahead of me and people behind me. So I, uh, but I could see the big clock and, and uh, I knew I'd be under 617 if I didn't have any problems but really wanted to be under six. So I just kept pushing through that and, and uh, fortunately got under six. So that was good. That's great. And so, uh, but nobody to draft behind and, and no one to pace you really. So you, you more or less did this as a solo. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just ran a 5k uh, a week ago here the, the the state fairs always had a, a race in fact it's a race that's been going on for about 40 years and they have a 5k division as well as a half marathon and i ran that 5k and when i took off i saw it was a smaller group because they usually have a couple hundred and they only had about 50 runners and uh, i could see after a half mile that i was going to be uh, by myself so i ran that by myself as well <laughs> that's kind of interesting so would you would you prefer to have someone on your shoulder pacing you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it would be better. And I know I'd run faster if I was competing against somebody. I think I'd be running a little faster. So what happened when you crossed the line? Well, it was because of all the COVID uh, restrictions. You know, when you crossed the line, you immediately had to put on a mask, and then you were supposed to leave the area. So that's what everybody was doing. You know, there wasn't any, a lot of discussion around there. The race director knows me uh, from way back and she, you know, was saying congratulations and everything, but pretty much they wanted to just get you out of the area uh, because that was the rules they had set up for this race. But did they wind up doing an awards presentation for you? No, they didn't have any awards uh, presentations for anybody. So. That was kind of eliminated again uh, because of the COVID restrictions. So, and so then, when did the media start to pick up on this? Well, what what happened was they they snapped a picture in in the uh, Lincoln Star and Journal. They didn't have any article about it, but they just had a picture, and the lady from Runners World picked up the picture and then said, "What's the deal here? It looks like you broke a record and and." Uh, you were under six minutes and you're 75. I need to ask you some questions. So then we had an interview. She arranged for an interview and then wrote up a little article in Runner's World. And, and that's when everybody kind of noticed it because then it goes on Facebook and then other people see it. And so I was kind of surprised because I, I just kind of wanted to 
get a record just for my own benefit, my own uh, personal thing. And, and uh, so I, I didn't expect other people really to, to see this. And then the local paper ran a little bit of an article on that too. So then, uh, so I've had a few people in town that have noticed that I ran, <laughs> ran this race. So are people, uh, so when you go to a coffee shop or the grocery store, do, do, do strangers come up to you and say, hey, are you that guy? Well, I've had some, I've had people that I know that, you know, say congratulations. It's kind of interesting because they read that little article or they read the thing in Runner's World uh, that was on Facebook there. And, uh, but they don't remember the details of it. So I had one guy that said, congratulations on setting the record in the marathon. And I said, no, this is my run. He said, no, I, I read it in the paper. It was a marathon. I said, well, I'm the one that ran it. I think I remember I ran a one mile, not a marathon. <laughs> wow, that, that, that'll be next maybe. So, uh, and have other press inquiries come in since that, the, the sounds like the local paper, Runner's World, uh, local radio stations or TV stations picked up on this? No, no, no. Uh, what, what story could be bigger than this? What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's kind of interesting because the sports have been so shut down. Right. That, uh, that's probably, you know, why I even get, you know, something in the paper at all, because they're looking for things to write about. Well, that's great. So we, we published a little, we have a email newsletter called six minute mile, uh, with, uh, about 450,000 subscribers. Now it's really taken off in the last year or so. And we published a, a little snippet on this a few weeks ago and got a, a big reaction out of our readers and, and our readers tend to skew a little bit older. Um, our, you know, our sweet spot is kind of 35 to 60 year olds. Um, and so everybody was pretty fascinated with what you accomplished and recognized it for, for a lot of hard work probably went into it and, and a pretty amazing feat. But of course, everyone wanted to know what, what can I do? I want to, I want to do that. How do I keep running till 75? How do I, how do I break six minutes at, at, uh, at age 75? So, what, what's what's your advice to older runners about what the limits of what they can accomplish could be? What I've seen, and being a physical therapist, I saw a lot of runners. But what I would see is people kind of went through the the era where you know more mileage was better, so people would ramp up and do more and more miles, and uh, you know a lot of them just did so many miles that they wound up overstressing and wind up having injuries and then would wind up giving up running and uh i stayed on the more moderate side uh have really never hardly ever run over 20 miles in a week and uh just kind of stayed with that because i was running for fitness and and uh, health reasons in general and uh so as people get older uh and they get into if they want to get into some running. I always tell them to to do some running and walking, and then gradually build up, gradually adapt. Uh, they can adapt to the stresses that are putting on their body as long as they don't overstress. So if they don't try to go out and uh, do too much right away, and follow the rules, you know, of, of increasing mileage, you know, the 10 percent every couple of weeks, that sort of thing. Um, but but trying to stay more on the moderate side and not trying to run through injuries, uh, those are the things that, that I see. And, and as far as 
just exercise in general. You know, I always encourage people to exercise and do exercises, but it doesn't have to be running. It can be walking, it can be bicycling, it can be swimming or stair master type things or stuff like that, but something that they find some relative enjoyment in and then they'll stay consistent with it. Because I've had some that, you know, try to go out and start running and then they find that they hate every step they're taking. And uh, then you say, well, try something else that you're going to find some relative enjoyment in so that you're uh, not going to give it up the first time something doesn't go well. And so you can achieve those sort of speeds only on 20 miles a week. And if you, if you risked more, do you think you'd be faster? If you, if you pushed it to 35 miles a week, do you, do you think you'd be any faster? Probably. I probably would. The, the thing that happens, well, a good example would be last year after I ran the race in Iowa, then I thought, well, I can gear up for 75. Maybe I should do more. So I started increasing my mileage some, and I, I even tried to throw in a long run because I've not traditionally done long runs. And, and I moved up to five, six, seven, and I got up to eight miles and then got a sore calf. And then uh, about three days later, I strained my calf. And then I was out for about two months where I couldn't run. Uh, that was this last winter. So then I went to the Y and started doing water jogging. Hmm and found that to be a good way to stay fit. It's a very boring way to do some exercise, but you just get a, an aqua jogger belt or a flotation device and uh, get in the water and stomp grapes and try to keep up your cadence and, and uh, you can get some exercise that way. So that was one way to add a little bit of extra time uh, into my exercise without uh, risking any further injury or any injury, and I was able to come out of that then and start running again. Right. And I think the key for my own, when I try to run races, I try to get prepared, you know, six to eight weeks ahead and and uh, just throw in an interval training session and uh, a tempo run. And that's what I primarily live on are those two uh, uh, running sessions, otherwise just running slow. And so when you're doing a tempo run, what if you're, if you're shooting to run six miles, six minutes for a mile, what, what's, what's the tempo pace look like? So I'll do right about seven and uh, uh, probably run a 5K and run it in seven minutes uh, uh, pace. And, and that as treating that as kind of a tempo run or a training run, not, not racing yeah. the heck out of it. No, no, trying to stay comfortable with that, knowing it's comfortably hard, but not uh, pressing like you would in a race. I understood. And what does, uh, what's, your, what's your diet look like? I just eat about anything. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any special dietary things. I eat pizzas and a lot of chicken and uh, one thing and another. I did add salads because I wasn't eating any greens, so <laughs> I tried to... Uh, throw in a few greens here this last year, and and do you notice a difference in your running if you if you eat a, a so-called healthy meal the night before or, or uh, not not a real impact? No, I don't really get too concerned about that. Yeah, good for you. Life's too short, right? And uh, and what about sleep? How how much you try to sleep? Well, I was always an eight hour a night 
sleeper, you know, I'm probably more like seven now. And I think as you get older, you just tend to wake up earlier. So I probably get pretty consistent seven hours of sleep a night and stick with that. And do you, um, do you like uh, training tools? Do you use Strava or GPS watch? Yeah, I, yeah, I've got a GPS watch and, and I, I do that. And I also uh, have used a, a little clicker to get uh, cadence, uh, you know, more correctly done. I, I hadn't done that before, but, uh, you know, reading about cadence and then just fiddling with that a little bit, I sometimes will take a clicker with me and then I'll make sure I'm keeping my cadence up. Great. And uh, do you listen to music, podcasts, or, or no headphones? Nope, never have done that. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't. I don't understand that one. It's, a, it's my time to clear my head. I don't. I don't. I don't need more stuff going in. <laughs> trying to get stuff out, right? Right. Uh, and how about? Uh, uh, do you run with any? Do you ever think about kind of mantras? Or uh, a lot of runners will will have a kind of a thought going through their mind on every run. Do you do you, uh, do you ever practice that? Well, yeah, I'll kind of review, like if I'm going to do a race, I, I'm sure I review that a few times when I'm just running, you know, I have thoughts about what I will run for pacing. I'm pretty an even paced person. I try to keep all the the laps about the same or try to do a negative split. Uh, if I go out too fast, I'm usually in trouble. So I don't try to race out there right away. But you, you don't have one thought going through your head of uh, pace two, three, four or something. Uh, a lot of a lot of runners will be like, head up, head up, go, go. You know, you, you don't have a silly thought like that going through your head. Nope. nope. Nothing like that. Yeah. Let's take a minute to acknowledge one of our sponsors, Marathon Photo, capturing proud runners and creating happy customers for over 35 years. Eight million runners have trusted Marathon Photo to capture and deliver the best in race and endurance event photography. Whether your race is in person or virtual, we will be there to capture your glory. Visit www.marathonphoto.com to check out our photo archives and learn more about our virtual experiences. So I'm kind of curious to, uh, to, to rewind a bit. I, again, I think a lot of people uh, who are listening to this, a lot of people who read our newsletter are fascinated about how, how you got to this point. So the, the, the training is really interesting and how you're approaching this. Um, but, uh, but I'd love to hear more about um, how you grew up and are you, are you a Grand Isle native? Did you grow up there? Well, I grew up in Nebraska. It was Beatrice, but I grew up in Nebraska and uh, came back to Nebraska after graduating from the Mayo Clinic in physical therapy. And so I pretty much have stayed in Nebraska. So what, what was early childhood life like for you? Well, I grew up in a, uh, I mean, I had three brothers and uh, and we didn't have a lot of money, so we started in a trailer house and went to a very small house. And then, uh, so it was, things were tight and we kind of uh, were pretty careful with money and that sort of thing. And uh, so, but it, it was good. We had a good family situation and, and uh, good brothers. So it was a good, good situation growing up. And what did your parents do for work? Uh, my father was a laborer, so he worked different labor jobs. He started on the farm, and then there was a fire there, and so then he went into town and went to work at a construction company and eventually worked for a gas line pipe, pipeline uh, company, a compressor station that actually pushed gas down the line. So 
he he finished uh, ninth grade, I think, and then uh, because my uh, my younger brother was always badgering him to graduate from high school, he wound up uh, going back and getting his uh, high school diploma through night school. So, at what a, age? Oh, he was in his forties, I think. Yeah, he would have been in his forties because my uh, younger brother was just about starting college at that time. And was there a family celebration around that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we made a big deal about that then. Wow, what a great accomplishment. Now, were your parents athletes? Or were they, did they play sports as kids? Oh, no, I don't. I, I, I don't know if they didn't have sports, or, uh, but they, they did not play sports and were not participating in that at all. Did, did, so. your, did your dad or your mom ever run a mile? I don't think so. <laughs> how about your How about your brothers? Was it uh, an athletic household when you were kids? Well, my my older brother probably would have been a pretty good athlete, but he started school when he was four, and uh, so he was a runt uh, going through high school. So he didn't have that much opportunity. And my younger brother also started school when he was four. They were both so darn smart that they uh, started them early, but. Uh, uh, my younger brother was exactly the same size I was, so I did well on track. Uh, and uh, then he, he was a couple of years behind me and then he came in and so the expectations were there that he would do really well. And uh, I think he had trouble breaking the six minute mile in high school. So, <laughs> so at any rate, it, it didn't translate over that way. I was kind of the exception uh, in the family there. So how were you a pretty accomplished runner in high school? Yeah, I ran about uh, 425 in the mile and ran under two minutes in the, the half. Uh, and I considered running in college, uh, had a scholarship offer from Wyoming, but I had a region scholarship at Nebraska. And so I just went to Nebraska and didn't wind up going out for track. But your times were probably good enough to have uh, made the team, right? Well, I, I, I would have, yes, I probably could have gone out and I, I probably would have had to move up to the two mile and, and run that because they didn't have great speed. My, my 400 time was 52.9. I did that about three times. Uh, I didn't run the 400 very often, but with that speed limitation, I probably would have had to move up to the two mile in college. And did you miss it during that time or you were off doing other things and working on school? Oh, I was, I, I did miss it. Uh, but uh, I was trying to get through school without any debt. So I had uh, three part-time jobs and, and uh, I was taking 15, 16 hours a semester. So, <laughs> so I didn't have much time for that. Well, what were the part-time jobs? Well, I, I, they have a daily Nebraskan, which was the school paper at uh, the University of Nebraska. So I'd take the bundles around to the different places. Uh, I was also the health chairman uh, of our fraternity. So I had to report back and forth to the, uh, the health services and try to keep people from uh, entering into the system all the time. So I took care of that. And then I, I did busing. I was, uh, you know, after meals, I'd, we'd clean, clean all the dishes and that sort of thing. And Taken through all the cleaning procedures that were required. And was the, was the Regents scholarship, was that a full ride? Did, did you mostly go for free? That was a tuition scholarship. Oh, I see. So then you still had to figure out room and board. Right. 
take care right. of that. All right. And and then after that, did uh, was physical therapy your major in college? Yeah, I was pre-physical therapy at the uh, University of Nebraska, and then I got a degree in Teachers College, uh, just in the process. But then went to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, it's a two-year program after uh, graduating, and uh, to get my physical therapy degree. And how did you decide on that as a as a subject area? Well, actually, uh, I was running. Uh, uh, in track and I got knee pain and so I had gone to a physical therapist uh, back when I was a senior in high school and that's when I thought well I might be interested in this field so that's how I got interested in it. And and was part of your practice working with athletes? Oh yeah yeah we had a sports clinic I had a sports clinic that I started here in Grand Island uh, so it was a sports clinic and rehab center, but we did a little bit of everything, but we did all, most all the sports injury type uh, activities and had athletic trainers out in the schools uh, with the athletes out there. And then we'd see them in the clinic for uh, any of their therapy needs. And um, it, it were many of your patients runners? It sounds like you, you work with football players like Scott Frost, but um, I mean, you probably caught a big part of the running boom during your during your uh, your tenure for sure yeah so yeah we would see the runners and uh, do some evaluation of their running and, and that sort of thing but also treat their injuries and and actually I saw Scott uh, more for track I think than I did for football uh, right right the tough nut but but he you know he'd strain answers he was a good uh, track competitor I mean he ran the hurdles won the hurdles and uh, also won the shot put. So he was, he was really quite the athlete. That's amazing. So, uh, and, and then your son is in the business now, right? Correct, yeah, he's a physical therapist. Uh, he, he, I have one that's a doctor out in uh, Denver and uh, then the other one uh, here in town is a physical therapist, has his own clinic and had actually come to work for us after working in Lincoln for three years in my clinic and then started his own clinic when I retired. So your dad had to have been pretty proud to see, uh, see this family grow up and all go on to accomplish remarkable things. Well, yeah, it was sort of unusual for him. I mean, I know in my freshman year, I went out for track and uh, immediately I was doing pretty well. And so, but he didn't come to meets. He didn't see that was even, anything that he was interested in going to. And then the guys at work would say, hey, your son's running really well. And he'd go, oh, well, I'm maybe you're gonna have to go to a meet sometime. Well, then I think he went to my last meet as a freshman and then as a sophomore, uh, I had broken the records for the inner squad meet. And so again, they had it in the paper. And so then my, uh, my dad was hearing from other workers out there that, hey, your son broke these records. And so then he thought, Maybe I should go to some of his meets. <laughs> so then he started going to the meets and got more interested in it. And uh, was he around to see the, the grandchildren grow up? Uh, yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And so so I, I imagine you have pretty good genes in the family, right? So is, did, uh, did your mom and dad live to be a nice, ripe old age? Well, no, actually, uh, my father had a heart attack at 49. And they told him he'd probably live five more years. And so then he was thinking he was going to die. 
but at any rate, he lived to 79. He had open heart surgery there in the midst of that. And my mother had uh, all kinds of medical problems, had uh, uh, emphysema. But the interesting thing was that no exercise. Uh, they both smoked, heavily smoked, and a terrible diet. I mean, their diet was uh, red meat and, uh, you know, steak and potatoes. And so they had all the risk factors, you know, you can change uh, not going in their favor. And so that's really why I kept wanting to run and, and keep doing exercise because of that. Now, I've had two brothers that have died, one at 70 and one at 77. Uh, I have one other brother that's still alive. But again, I mean, genetically, and the brother just ahead of me, uh, when he died, he weighed 400 pounds. Man. And he's little shorter than me and weighed 400 pounds so uh, taking care of those things in fact all of the members of my family smoked except for myself so unfortunately I smoked for 18 years because I was in the house and getting secondhand smoke but other than that I never smoked and uh, uh, certainly glad I didn't and did you ever uh lobby other family members and say, hey, you know, this this running thing or living a little bit healthier seems to be working for me and, you know, come on along and maybe we'll go for a long walk together? Or, or is, that a, is that a tough sales pitch back in that era with, you know, where, where smoking was encouraged by doctors? And well, actually, my, my older brother and my younger brother are both uh, very intelligent uh, uh, people and, and they on their own, you know, would do some exercise. They, they both turned into walkers, so they would do a lot of walking. The one just ahead of me, he had all kinds of problems, and uh, he he was the one that I would constantly do things like I would pay him to quit smoking, and so he quit smoking for a couple of weeks, and then he'd go right back to it. And uh, I did all kinds of things with uh, dietitians with him, and and uh, bought him an exercise bike, which. Uh, turned into a coat hanger like most people talk about. Right. Uh, I never made too much progress with him, but he was the one I worked on all the time. He was he lived close here too. The others were in California. Uh, so I, I didn't have a chance to, you know, meet with them very often, but kept in communication with them. But sure. anyway. And and how did that uh, how did that inform your parenting so it's uh we, we've during coronavirus during the quarantine uh we had uh, in our house we have three teenagers in our house and and it was a chore to try to get them out and you know i'd, I'd do all figure out all sorts of way to bribe them to go run a mile with me but um but that, with your own kids uh having seen some health issues and you know, the consequences of, of bad diet and smoking and whatnot so um how, how did you how did you think about keeping your own kids healthy as you were raising them well, it, it, it right away was uh, important for me that they exercise. In fact, they were pretty little when I decided we should all go down to the Y and exercise during the winter because there wasn't much to do. So we did that. And I think the, the, the son that lives here, the older one, he just took up the running right away. And so he was running at age 10 uh, and wanting to run these 10 Ks. And so his mother said, well, you have to go out with him and run with him. He can't go out and run on our country road there by himself. So that's when I started running. So I was about 34, 35. And that's when I got started running. So he actually was pushing me to get out and run as much as himself. 
and then the younger one was a very talented uh, athlete overall. He actually uh, was a football player, was an All-State uh, running back at the high school here and, and uh, went to Wyoming on a football scholarship. But he was a good runner as well, but, uh, but a little different shape for a runner because he weighed right. about 110 pounds, uh, actually played football at 230 pounds, and he was about six foot. But he, he ran, uh, as a sophomore, he went out for track and ran a two-minute half. And uh, so he had talent to run even at that size. And uh, he had the unusual thing on one meet, he ran the 100 meters and got second and ran the two mile and won the two mile. Uh, I so can say that. Yeah, so he had some talent as, uh, as a runner, but didn't pursue that. He pursued football and didn't even, wasn't even out for track his junior and senior year. But uh, he now weighs about 185 and uh, runs six or seven miles a day. So he's, does, he, does he race at all? He'll race once in a while. Uh, he probably could race pretty effectively because once in a while he'll just run a five minute mile just wow. to do it. But he doesn't go after all these races. He does more of these alternative type races, especially out in Denver and that area you have, you know, the mud run and the, the different runs like that. And he just enjoys doing those. So he'll get with friends and do those kind of runs. Good for him. And then I read that one of your, at least one of your grandchildren is a runner. And uh, I think I read that you coach him. Well, yeah, he's, he's been a runner over at the, it's a small Lutheran high school. And uh, I coach track out there and coach uh, cross country. I've been coaching uh, at the, the grade school, the middle school, the Lutheran middle school in track. I was the head coach for that for uh, two years. And then I'm going to go out to the high school this year and assist, uh, but I'm doing the cross country coaching. We used to have a small team, but he's a runner. Uh, so it, it's fun to have runners in the family. I've got uh, two daughters who are going to run tonight in a cross country meet and, uh, One's a seventh grader, and she's going to have some talent, so it's going to be fun to watch her. So what was their reaction when, when you broke the record for the grandchildren? Oh, they were excited for me, so that was fun. They, they probably did a better job promoting this on social media than, than you did. Oh, for sure, yeah. I don't know anything about Facebook and all that. I don't look at Facebook. My wife does, but, but they kind of yeah promote that, that's for sure. And did did, uh, did the kids at high school and in their middle school did, were were they uh, were they excited and impressed that their friend's grandfather had done this? Well, I think kids have told them, but I don't think uh, they you know it doesn't mean that much to them. You know, I mean, it's kind of well, that's good. You know, yeah, that's sort of. well, yeah. Running <laughs> running nerds like us think it's a huge deal, but maybe your average thirteen year old girl doesn't uh, you know doesn't think yeah. it's impressive. But right. wow, we do. Um, so um, I wanted to I wanted to uh, hit you with a couple of quick questions, a little little uh, rapid fire round here of of a couple of topics, and we'll uh, we'll get a a quick answer on a few of these things. But um, so uh, 
one I think about a lot in our family, but if, um, if, you, if you could wave a magic wand, do you, do you wish the iPhone had never been invented? So you got the convenience of the iPhone in one hand or the, the distraction with the kids. So if you ruled the world, would you, would you ban the iPhone right now or do you think it's a net positive? <laughs> I, would, I would probably not be real favorable to the iPhone. It just seems like there's so many different methods to communicate and it's hard to know which one to even use to communicate with kids and I, I don't like the fact that kids spend so much time with uh, electronic devices uh, and having two sets of grandchildren I have one set that does spend a lot of time and the other one that doesn't uh, so I've seen both sides of that but I would prefer they didn't have quite as much. Uh, I, I agree I'm old-fashioned. Um, so you just you just did a race in August um, with some social distancing and some COVID protocols do you think in general, we should bring back racing. Should there be more races with safety in place or, or should, we, should we wait a while longer until we have a vaccine? Well, I, I think that uh, the local racing has been no problem that I can see because they have followed protocols and they've been careful with that. I wonder about, you know, uh, national races when you bring people in from all different areas, maybe that there's more potential for problems. Uh, but I know if they had a race, I'd probably go to it, you know, this year. I probably would have gone uh, and participated and just been careful myself. So you, you would go to a USATF event in another state, but just being cautious yourself. Right, right. Um, what about virtual races? Any interest? I haven't really done that. I saw where they have a lot of those available now. Uh, probably a good idea, especially if we had to stay camped in for a long period of time, I'd probably do that, but I haven't shown any interest in it to this point. Got it. What, what's better, being a parent or a grandparent? Oh, a grandparent, for sure. <laughs> you, you just have a, a lot more uh, subdued uh, uh, attitude towards their competition and everything. You encourage them more. You're not trying to tell them exactly what they should be should have done after a race or that sort of thing when you're a parent you tend to do that at least i did but absolutely it's a hard it's hard to urge to fight uh what, what's if just one piece of running advice um somebody sitting next to you and says hey i'm a runner too what what you, you know a lot about this what's your one piece of advice well i'd just tell them to keep running you know uh, keep running and, and uh but listen to your body and make sure you not try to run through injuries and uh, try to enjoy it. That's what I'd, I'd be telling them. I, I've also advised people not to get into the high mileage. You know, when they talk about knees, you're going to ruin your knees if you run. But if you stay, you know, below the 40 or 50 miles a week, you improve the health of the articular cartilage. It actually gets a little thicker and a little healthier. And so the knees actually do better uh, as long as you don't have some pre-existing injury to the uh, articular cartilage or the meniscus. But otherwise, running can be healthy for the knees. If you get into the real high mileage, then you have to be more careful because there's potential to actually start injuring that articular cartilage and then having some arthritic problems down the line. Makes sense. What, what, what about life advice? What's, what's your one piece of philosophical life advice? Well, I'm five years of perspective now. Yeah, I'm a Christian, so that's where I, you know, focus my my viewpoint is on being a Christian, and and I tell my cross country runners, you know, glorify the Lord with what you're doing and everything you're doing, and I said that becomes 
even more important when you're running because there's you know stress at times in your workouts and your meets and you glorify the lord that's that's what will count great advice and what um you know with with a lot of a lot of crazy stressful things going on in the country right now um you know from covid to 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 protests and um what what's your uh how, how does your how do your religious beliefs kind of inform how we get through this this what seems like a difficult time for america well i i think it is difficult and i i know i get tied up into it you know watching the news and everything but I always go back to God's in control, and if God's in control, then I don't have to worry about this. I just have to I'll sit back and trust in him and know that that's, that's going to be taken care of in, in uh, the way he wants it taken care of. And does that help you with your running as well? Oh, yes, because uh, it, it would get pretty frustrating when you try to, you know, you're trying to get prepared for a race and doing some harder stuff and then the, the meet gets canceled and then you say, well, what am I even doing this for? I don't think I want to keep working hard. I just should go out and do some easy jogging and enjoy this. But uh, again, uh, trusting in the Lord, glorifying the Lord with what, with what I'm doing, you know, it kind of keeps me going and, and uh, working towards some goals if there's some out there to be had. That's great. No, having having a bigger perspective and not getting too tied up in the moment and what's ultimately not important in the big picture of things in your own life or in the future of the world. Um, it's, it's good to have that perspective. Exactly. exactly. All right. I'll ask you, so since you brought up knees and cartilage, uh, hopefully this question isn't just for me, but it's for probably hundreds of other people uh, who, who read our newsletter and listen to this. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm 99% sure I've got a, a small meniscus tear in my left knee right now. Can I run through that or, or do I, will I probably need surgery? Well, a small tear can actually resolve itself if the, the meniscus doesn't flap into the tear, the torn part doesn't flap into the joint itself and then start restricting your motion, uh, a lot of times you you just wait it out. If you wait it out and uh, don't do anything necessarily for it, it may just resolve itself. Uh, uh, a, a tear up in the upper part of the meniscus can actually repair itself. Sometimes they go in there and they have to suture those to make them repair uh, themselves, or they go in with a scope and they trim out a torn part if there's a little torn part on the lower part of the meniscus. But essentially waiting it out for about three weeks is the first thing to do and then just gradually introduce your running again and see if it's bothering as it should i do i need to ice even though i'm not running not if you're not having any significant inflammation if your knee's swelling up uh, then it's likely there's going to be a bigger problem there but if it's swelling up you'd want to ice it but after two or three days then the icing probably isn't a real big factor anymore all right. You, you probably would have charged me $1,000 for that advice if, uh, if, you're, if you're still practicing full time. So we appreciate that. Um, so what, what, else, what else have I left out? So um, any, uh, anything that any of these stories have, have gotten wrong about, uh, about your accomplishment? Or, um, or is, there, is there any part of the story that we, that we haven't covered that's, that's interesting or a, a twist that most people don't know about? No, I think you've covered everything. The only thing that I that I think that changed for me, you know, because I usually 
I used to always run about four miles a day and, and try to run, you know, five or six days a week. And, and uh, then if I was going to do some racing, then I would throw in an interval run and uh, a tempo run. And that's about it. But then when I had the injury and I still wanted to stay in shape, I got in and do the, did the water jogging. And I really think that's a nice way to stay in shape. I've done some stationary biking when I've had an injury, you know, a strain or something. But I think the, the ideal thing is if you have available water to do some water jogging. And I think that would be a nice uh, uh, alternate activity uh, for running as well, especially for the older people. And I know we have a lot of people that get in the water here at the Y just for their whole exercise program. So I think that's one underused uh, alternative uh, activity for staying aerobically fit. That's great. Great to know. Well, we can't thank you enough, Lynn. This is such a great conversation, and congratulations again on the on the accomplishment. I, I know I know next year you're going to have your friend uh, Gary Patton is coming up into your age group, so it's uh, <laughs> some uh, thousands of people will be glued to the edge of your seat next time you guys meet when he turns 75. But uh, that 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 seems like that's a nice, fun, friendly rivalry, and that that'll be some some great racing to follow when he comes into your age group next year. Yeah, for sure. That's for sure. All right. Well, take care. Thank you again for doing this. This is so nice of you to make time for us, and, and we really appreciate it. And, um, Thank we'll, you. We'll let you know when we, uh, we go live with this and send you a link to it and all that. Okay. Appreciate all right. it. All right, Lynn. Maybe. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you, Lynn. The Six Minute Mile, a twice-weekly email blast bringing you news, ideas, inspirational stories, and special deals for runners and fitness enthusiasts. We're athletes ourselves, runners, crossfitters, berries, boot campers, skiers, cyclists, and mud racers. We like to sweat. If you're listening to this right now, the odds are pretty good that you do too. Our goal is to be the training buddy who never preaches or rambles about themselves, but who cracks joke and gives you the perfectly timed fist bump to keep you rolling. Let's have some fun together.